Welcome to Hidden Curriculum. Out of the Science Education Society Lab at the University of Rhode Island, I'm Josie Alexander. Today's theme, academic success. Today we're bringing you first-gen stories about navigating college academics. We'll start with challenges like transitioning from high school to college, then move to strategies to ace those courses and really learn. We'll wrap up discussing the social factors that tend to make being an engaged student a little more complicated. Stay with us. I did not think I'm going to be a scientist. That never occurred to me at all. All I knew was it had taken me so long to get to a point where I could go to school full time that I was going to study whatever I really wanted to know about. And I really wanted to know about the ocean. That was Catalina Martinez. She's the Regional Program Manager for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Ocean Exploration and Research Division here in Rhode Island. She's also a first-generation college graduate. So traditionally, um, I would not be considered a first-gen because my father went to college. Um, but I had very little uh, interaction with my dad growing up, uh, especially guidance that would have made any sense to me. Um, he went to college, but he went and worked on the racetrack. My family is horse racing folk. Um, so he was a horse trainer, and uh, his college experience was certainly never translated to me. Um, so, and I, you know, and I paid for everything myself and struggled. So I dropped out of high school at 16. Um, I had my own apartment by that point, and whatever I did going forward, I did on my own. So I took one class a semester for a really long time after getting my GED, which is a general education. Uh, the reason I dropped out of school was because I didn't go to school a whole lot. Anyway, because my grandmother was really, really sick when I was a kid, and as uh, I grew up in a really traditional Cuban family, and as the girl, I was told I needed to stay home and take care of my grandmother, starting in about the seventh grade, um, and only boys needed to go to school. I didn't need to go to school. So that's what I was really um, contending with as a child. Uh, I had to look outside of my family and outside of my local community um, to see that there was more out there for me, and that's why I left. Because um, I knew there was more out there for me. And I, uh, I started taking one class a semester, um, and then I got a two-year associate's degree from New England Institute of Technology, and I just, you know, progressed from there. Um, once I was able to enter a four-year university full-time, I was 28 years old. Catalina said that when she got to URI, she didn't have a major in mind. Really, she just wanted to learn about the ocean. And the time she had spent working and gaining experience, she said she really gained a curiosity and appreciation for the ocean. She learned to scuba dive and began to explore the coast and just fell in love. And so little did I know, I was going into this really difficult program, but I had no better. Catalina said that she knew she was at a real disadvantage coming into URI. Because I didn't have, I wasn't building upon a body of knowledge that I had from high school. I wasn't building upon AP classes or whatever I had taken in high school. I was building upon a very, very, um, kind of random set of courses that I took and I never took, uh, you know, strategically the, in sequence I should say, the courses that I really needed to build up to certain things like, you know, taking algebra, trig, geometry, I never took any of that. Catalina said she supplemented this learning by using resources available on campus like old textbooks in the library and tutoring. I lived in the tutor's office. You know, I tutored, I was in a tutor's office almost four or five nights a week um, to get through all of that. I had to take um, a not-for-credit math class to prepare me. I, I had to do a lot of, a lot of backtracking. Um. 
Adelina wasn't the only one to have an experience like this. Biomedical science major George Walters Moraz, a senior McNair scholar at the University of Central Florida. We talked a bit about his transition from high school to college, specifically issues concerning preparedness coming out of high school. Freshman year, I had so much time to study and that was like really important because this was the first time I was learning all of these subjects. George expressed that he felt behind from the very first day. Here he is reflecting on an instructor introducing a topic in lecture. Sometimes in the class, the professor would like mention some random concept and be like, um, oh yeah, do I even need to go into this? You guys learned this in high school, right? And I'm just like sitting there like, what you mean? And everybody's like, no, he's like, yes, like don't even go into it. I'm just like, they're kind of like, oh, guess I'm studying that tonight. So you've probably noticed there's a pattern here. It's not limited to college. It can start in your early education. For senior chemistry major and McNair scholar, Ali Yunus, it started in high school. So um, I was enrolled in a bunch of AP classes, um, like junior and senior year. And since it was an AP course, like the teacher was moving really, really, really quickly. Uh, I guess I, in my mind, it was like they were picking up the concepts really quickly. And for me personally, like I have to look at a concept multiple times in like multiple different iterations. And then once I do that, then it's cemented and I can't forget it. But like, so I learned slowly like that. But I guess they were just doing it quicker. And the professor was just kind of like, I mean, the teacher was just kind of going at their pace. So I really like I would I would go in class and be like, all right, I'm, I could try to pay attention, but there's no way the teacher's going to stop to answer this question or whatever. And I don't want to do it because I mean, I was Honestly, in a class of 30, I was one of the two black kids who was in the AP class. And I was like, all right, you're not asking questions. I'm not asking questions. Let's just keep going. It was just a lot of me going home and reading over the stuff again and doing it slowly. And that was junior year. But then I realized like how much a difference a teacher could make senior year was when I took another like higher level chemistry course. And there were still were like, I think at least 20 kids in the class, but the professor was just going really slowly. And like, even when other kids who were like really eager to participate and like would fire off answers or whatever, he would actually like slow them down by like not like obviously blatantly ignoring them, but he would like engage people who were like not participating or whatever and be like, do you get it? And at first I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it, but I didn't. And then slowly with him, like, you know, building, like, rapport just by doing, like, little things, little interactions, like him extending an offer to, to help, um, it kind of made me more comfortable with, like, being like, all right, yeah, I don't get it. And Ali said his experience helped him not only to be more vocal and confident in class, but more aware of his optimal learning style and pace, and that of others. That experience with that teacher really made me realize, you know, how powerful other people can be in sort of assuaging any feelings of, you know, self-doubt or inadequacy that are like a product of looking at other people and be like, what, how did you do that? Like, what resources did you have? So um, that actually drove me to make myself a resource. So I just started working, even at UCF, I worked as like a, a chemistry tutor or supplemental instructor or whatever. And... I always make sure now that like 
even if there's kids in the sessions or whatever who are like yeah i get it or whatever and like they i can like feel them like moving their desk closer to me i'm like okay i'm still not gonna like move any quicker because that kid over there in the back doesn't really get it so um i think we need to teach those who get those resources to and end up moving at a quicker pace or just like have just an innate ability to pick up things quickly um we need to show them that there is value and a learning opportunity in slowing down for a second and helping out somebody else who's like not moving as quickly or didn't have a resource that you had. Ali found himself in situations where his environment discouraged him from taking real ownership of his education. An experience with a mentor gave him the confidence to become an active participant in class and engage to the same extent of his peers. Let's take another look into Catalina's journey. I think for me, although I was first gen and I, you know, I faced a lot of adversity, I had to overcome a lot of obstacles. To me, that built skills and knowledge and strength um, in ways that I think gave me an advantage by the time I was older um, and I was I was an older student because then I I knew how to navigate difficult circumstances. I knew not to take no for an answer. Catalina, George, and Ali all took it upon themselves to take ownership of their education. They noticed their gaps and tried their best to fill them. It might seem like they did it all on their own, but they took advantage of different strategies and resources along the way. You might want to try and do things on your own, to prove to everyone that you're capable. When you mix an identity, everything can begin to feel all the more obligational and isolating. Academic success becomes like a chip on your shoulder and it actually becomes even harder to be successful. There's all kinds of challenges there. You know, you're, you're constantly worried about stereotype threat, for instance. You know, you're worried that if you raise your hand in class, which you experience, that you're confirming a stereotype, that the person of color isn't as smart as everyone else. You know, there's all- Catalina referred to this experience as taxing your mental bandwidth. The idea here is that you only have a certain capacity for attention and information in your brain. In a classroom setting, Worrying and ruminating about things like stereotype threat takes up some of that attention that could be put towards understanding the lecture. Actively working against that stereotype threat is even more taxing. So what you're speaking of there is a very specific coping strategy um, that I would argue is not healthy. <laughs> and there's actually a fair amount of research that shows it's not healthy. Um, in its most advanced state, it's called John Henryism, which is this idea, and you know we don't have time now to unpack everything about it, but I do urge your listeners to look it up. But it's this idea that you can prove that you can get this done on your own, right? You're bucking against the stereotype of, you know, or I shouldn't say bucking against the stereotype, but you see the act of asking for help as a sign of weakness. And so therefore, you engage in these maladaptive strategies of going to your room by yourself and trying to study all night when things like math and chemistry in particular are best done when there is a diversity of ideas around the table trying to work through a problem set. And that was Dr. Brian Dewsbury. He's the PI or principal investigator of our home base, the Science Education and Society or C's Lab. He's also an intro bio instructor here at URI. And he said he sees behavior like this all the time, not just in first-gen students or students of any particular background, everyone, 
anyone can feel like they need to do it on their own. Strategy in my classes, and I would say a good 20, 30%, well, 45% really of my energy teaching an introductory biology class is convincing students of the benefits of opening it up and trusting me and trusting help and trusting their group mates and trusting the undergraduate LAs and trusting the process where the act of not knowing something and asking for assistance does not reflect on their, their potential um, future and abilities to do science very well. So the point here is, don't feel like you've got to do it on your own. There's tons of resources, people, and strategies on your campus that are meant to help you out. It's about finding what works best for you. Here's a short list of strategies and resources to get you started. These are some keys for academic success. One, ask questions. Don't be afraid, shy, or embarrassed. If you're really confused on a topic or question, somebody else in your class definitely is as well. Previewing before class is a great way to ensure that you have questions during lecture. Two, be like Ali and build a sense of rapport with your professors. Participate in class, ask questions, and go to office hours. Getting to know your professor makes it easier to tell them you're confused or need extra help. Three, take advantage of tutors, teaching assistants, and your classmates. There's no shame in getting the help you need to be successful. Studying with a classmate is a great opportunity to learn how you learn compared to someone else. Four, don't be afraid to supplement your knowledge. If you're not confident in Physics 2 and shaky on a topic that first appeared in Physics 1, it's okay to backtrack and build confidence in the fundamentals. Five, continuously learn about your learning. Ask professors and tutors about study skills. Learn what spaces you study best in and which study skills align with each class. So that's all we got. Hidden Curriculum is a project supported by the Science Education and Society Lab at the University of Rhode Island. This story was produced and edited by Liz Mylene Ramos and myself, Jossie Alexander. Big thanks to Catalina Martinez, George Walters Marat, and Ali Yunus for sharing their stories. Music for this episode includes the song Marxist Arrow by Twin Musicom at twinmusicom.org. Let's start at the beginning by Lee Rosevere and I Care by Loyalty Freak Music. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Hidden Curriculum.